This broadcast is intended for a mature audience so that I can swear. You're listening to The Red Hour, a Star Trek podcast with Rusi Offenron Kapadia and Colin Harcourt Fenton Mud Campbell. All right, speak. She's saying this, Rusi. Are you reading me? I don't even know if she can be a parent. Hmm, not bad. Yeah, 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 it needs work. Keep going. Uh, SS Defiant. Can I speak, can I speak like you're angry at him? Campbell! Why'd you say SS Defiant? Fine. USS Defiant. We're good. Hey, Campbell. Sorry, I just. It's Wednesday night. Yep. We just made the mistake of getting pizza, Oreos, and Coke again. Again. Uh, I know you've subtly tried to show me that uh, we don't need to get it by never eating any of it. <laughs> and I'm, half I'm of glad the you pizza. Um, <laughs> It's been like a year or so. But now, I think it would be a lot more friendly for you to take some. I know, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, I have acid reflux, you know, it's, uh, acidity and whatnot. Uh, All right, fine, numerals. fine. Forget it then. We just won't get the goddamn pizza anymore. All right. I'm glad I finally won you over. Uh, I will, we'll, 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 we should consult with P. <laughs> All right, fine. Anyway, let's let's start talking about tonight. Decision uh, to be made, yeah. Okay, so tonight we watch a third season episode called Tholian Web. Yes. Campbell? What? Did you like it? I mean, uh, yeah, you know what? Uh, yeah, uh, it wasn't bad overall. Hmm, yeah. It's not, you know, one of the ones that, uh, that immediately comes to mind uh, when I think of, like, interesting episodes. But, uh, but you know what? I got to give it, uh, it its credit. To, it, it was solid. Yeah, I think this was like um, in terms of like the concepts, it was it was very strong. I I, I found it was not as action packed as other episodes, you know, not uh, not as much uh, stuff going on, a lot of like sort of waiting and quietness. Mm. So yeah, so it's it's I, I, it doesn't have a lot of points for me in terms of like excitement, but it has some good concepts and it's got an awesome sp- uh, sort of little uh, speech from um, from Kirk, which we'll get to. First, the synopsis. Okay, so uh, they start out, uh, you know, I, I even forget at this point because, like, you know, I don't know. Maybe it takes me, like, five minutes to zone they're, in. They're, they're responding, a dis- responding to, to a, a distress, distress call, right? Yeah, yeah, from the SS Defiant, which is presumably another yeah, one of their... SS Defiant. Whatever, fuck. It's USS Defiant. Well, it sounds like it's some kind of weird Star Trek noob, that's all. <laughs> okay, okay. So Fine, yeah, but um, which is, like, their sister ship. Yeah. Uh, which they have another one of in an earlier episode. You well, like a was? couple of Constitution-class ships, yeah. Well, what was the what was their other sister ship? Other uh, sister ship, and name the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Doomsday Machine. Yeah, and uh, the ship was. Uh, what? Was well, that, yeah, that means that you run out of time. Oh, okay, fine. All right. So it was, was called it? the Constitution. Oh, okay. So it was the original Constitution. All right, fine. Okay, now what other episode did they, did you see another Enterprise? Uh, you got three seconds. Um, yeah. The Omega Glory. What? No? No, there's no... Campbell. Okay, sorry. All right, the ultimate go. fucking computer. Oh, okay. There are like three of them. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. <laughs> that was that was particularly boring, but anyway. Okay, so they're responding to a distress call uh, from the U.S.'s Defiant. Which vanished three weeks ago. Okay, fine. Uh, when they finally find it, quote-unquote, uh, it's like uh, it's it's there, but it's not there kind of thing. Uh, it's like uh, for, for some reason it's green and kind of glowy yep. and fading in and out selectively. Yep. Uh, they decide to beam over uh, in, uh, in, in environmental suits. But pause for a power second. What? They also have this, uh, I, I like the little intro, intro thing, um, you know, where they, where they try and, and sort of get you like intrigued. 
although it is a little bit uh, repetitive with, with how they do things before, but but essentially Spock is like, he doesn't say it's like nothing we've ever seen before, but he basically does say that like, sir, all the instruments are like, you know, giving nonsense uh, responses back. Uh, we're not we're not reading anything. And uh, he's like, Kirk, and Kirk's like, what? Specify. And then uh, and then Scotty's like, that's it. The engines have gone. And, <laughs> and Kirk doesn't seem phased. He's just sort of like, all right. Well, anyway, bring us bring us in closer to the uh, this enemy vessel. He sort of moves on. Okay, I'm still. Uh, thanks for interrupting. Uh, I'm going to continue on with the uh, the re- recap. Uh, so they uh, so they beam over. Uh, they find uh, that uh, the crew they find is dead, uh, seemingly from uh, having killed each other. As, space madness. As as a result result of some as yet undiagnosed uh, space madness. Uh, they further explore the ship, and they 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 uh, Bones notices that uh, it appears to be like kind of phasing in and out and uh, becoming less corporeal. Yep. Uh, they decide to freak out a tiny bit and uh, they decide to be back uh, because of uh, coincidental uh, technical problems on the Enterprise. Uh, this proves problematic. Uh, the transporter is working intermittently. Uh, they're able to get back uh, three out of the four uh, war, uh, away team. So uh, it was uh, Scotty, Bones, Chekhov, and Spock. Yep. I guess four out of the five, whatever. And, anyway, so uh, they beam back, but Kirk but doesn't. The ship disappears, and they try to get Kirk back, but they're unable to. They think he's dead, and then Spock realizes that they're in some sort of, uh, you know... Interphasic uh, space in, or yeah, interspace. Yeah, some space between, like, all these parallel dimensions, and that they just have to wait for the right moment that he's mathematically determined, and then try and beam him back. They do so, but uh, the, the Stolian ship says that they're in their space, and they shoot them, uh, which... Or, no, in fact, the Stolian, just by showing up, is, like, fucks up the uh, the interphase. And so they lose their opportunity to get back Captain Kirk. And then they're just sort of sitting there and waiting. Um, oh, and then, yeah, sorry. And then the Tholians fire on them when they don't leave. They re- they respond fire, and then the Tholians start building this sort of, like, um, energy web to hold them there when the um, Enterprise... So, some, is, kind of, some kind of Tholian web. Some sort of Tholian I don't, web, I don't yeah. know. I don't know what you call it. Yeah, because the Enterprise's engines, uh, you know, are, are kaput. Conveniently uh, disabled. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, then... Long story short, um, they realize that uh, Kirk has been locked into them since they tried to get him on the transporter. And the next time there's a new interphase interphase, uh, they're able to uh, beam him back on board and all is well. Which they, yeah, which they finally do and uh, and are conveniently able to escape the uh, the Tholian web uh, by use of, you know... It doesn't really matter because, yeah, I mean, basically, it wasn't yeah. finished anyway. Yeah. Okay, fine. So now... Campbell, it was close you, to being finished. Fine, fine. Now we can go through the specifics. Okay. Okay, starting from the beginning of the episode, things you liked, you didn't like? Well, um... I kind of uh, waffled pseudo-ambivalently uh, over the course of the episode between uh, determining whether or not the whole space sickness side plot was even necessary. And I don't know about you, but like, okay, fine. It it added additional element of suspense, you know, uh, and, you know, uh, uh, it was an additional complication to their time crunch. Yeah. But I really think it was like basically unnecessary because like you got the, the effect of like the defiant sort of, you know, uh, uh, drifting in and out of conventional space uh, having to, you know, uh, recapture uh, Kirk and the thing of, like, uh, you know, the deadline uh, of uh, the completion of the Tholian web they have to escape. So uh, with all that, I don't think they even needed the uh, the additional thing of, like, you know, the space madness, but uh, whatever. You know, but the point is they were able to, like, you know, inject all of that and, and still have the episode run pretty smoothly, and uh, and overall the pacing was good, so I can't really complain. Yeah, kind of a wasted sort of um, side plot. I agree. I mean, they were, they were trying to like freak us out by like you know by showing people in positions of uh, being strangled or or bludgeoned or whatever. But um, it was like an unnecessary first act kind of thing that uh, that didn't really serve any purpose later on. Yeah. Yeah. 
I guess yeah, as, as a means of like trying to front load the uh, the suspense, basically, and uh, present more intrigue. But uh, but yeah, it was good. So was this, was this the first time we've seen the spacesuits? Uh, yeah, as far as I can tell, yeah. Yeah, I think so. And they were, you know, they were, it's, you know, they're 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 hokey, right? But it was the '60s. Everything is like a little bit too sparkly for my taste. But uh, but it like they looked at least, you know, somewhat connected to you know some kind of uh, uh, functional aspect, which I think is good. Well, you know, uh, the U.S. has just, um, um, I guess, commissioned or started this new space force. Have you heard about it? I mean. What do you want me to say for the purpose of this? Do you want me to lie and say uh, yes? No? You've heard about it. Yes. So, um, uh, and and so you know, one of the things that people are, are laughing about is the fact that they've chosen a uh, a forest camouflage uh, uniform. Uh, I'm just kind of, kind of curious if you think there'd be any utility in like making a camo like a black uh, astronaut suit if you were like a, a mil- an arm of the military like Starfleet. Well, or uh, would it be better to just play it safe and have a sparkly suit that reflects a lot of light? I mean, regardless of your branch of the military, you might have to hide in the bushes at one point. So uh, you know, yeah, you never know. Hmm. It's uh, but but uh, but like uh, like most things uh, out of this current uh, American administration, it doesn't really. Uh, doesn't really bear a lot of analysis. It's there's there's not really any point. There's there's no there's no thinking or real hard planning going on there. It's just uh, hmm. it's just ideas written down on paper and then that's it. Okay, that was a tangent. So, um, what about the concepts? Do you like the concepts? Well, there's I two mean, there's two big ones. You mean the phasing in and out of space and the Tholian web? Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, you know, yeah, I like I like the phasing in and out of space because. You know, it, it's you know uh, over Star Trek's run, it's it's done it's it's damnedest right to try and make space interesting right because you know although rick and morty teaches us that space contains literally everything mm-hmm. uh it's also you know by its very nature you know pretty empty pretty empty and 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 by definition boring yeah uh uh so yeah so i appreciate uh this this little uh uh, uh quirky aspect of uh, of that local space's geography mm-hmm. if that word can even be applied mm-hmm. um and and the way they were able to you know uh, wrap their head around it. I mean, Spock seemed to be pretty, you know, uh, uh, pretty, pretty well adjusted, even from the very beginning. You know, when they go in, like, you know, he's like, "We've never seen anything like it before, ever." And it's like the sensors give us no readings, but he's like, "But I'm pretty confident, uh, you know, that uh, that Captain Kirk will reappear, yeah, uh, at uh, precisely this time." So uh, set an egg timer. But, uh, you know, yeah, that was interesting. And the Tholian web, it's, you know, uh, it was, you know, you know, it's another race, whatever. You know, we get to see their ships. We get to see the Tholians, Atholian briefly. Yeah. They're, you know, they're kind of cool. They're definitely distinct. And as, as I'm sure you would appreciate, like non-human. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, but, uh, but their whole thing of like patiently weaving uh, a spider web uh, around the ship, uh, completely ensnaring it uh, is... Uh, no, no, it's fine. Because, because I mean, like, don't forget, like, I mean, here they're using it because the, this the Enterprise is disabled, and and they yeah. can't, and they don't want to go in within uh, firing range because the Enterprise is yeah, yeah. So is superior. Yeah. So, so, it was, so it, it makes sense. So it was it was it was, it was a was decision a, of a tactical nature. Yeah. Yes, yes. But uh, but still, I I somehow it's like I would have liked a little bit more technical jargon uh, to explain the phenomenon because like, you know, uh, because it doesn't seem to me that they're even familiar with that particular Tholian uh, tactic, mm-hmm. and the second they start doing it. You know, Spock for some reason arrives at the assumption that if they get trapped in there, if they if the field is completed around them, they'll be unable to leave and they'll never see home again. But so, what property is it that the field is being composed of? That's like an energy field that's going to be, you know, unlimited duration and like exist forever. 
in space and like you know trap yeah. the ship there indefinitely and that they won't ever be able to like you know either disrupt it with their fields or somehow escape it mm. that was uh that was not super was yeah, not oh, super yeah. Explained. yeah that's true it's true but you gotta you gotta imagine that uh you know just for fairness um the, the tholians have to have something that they can do better than anyone else and presumably this is it presumably but uh but but yeah i uh i, I want someone to explain how these webs work you know that's that's you know okay fine that's that's a bit much um but uh but yeah you know uh it's uh it was you know they 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 get no i got nothing i'm going help me help me save me throw me a lifeline (laughs) (laughs) carry on the conversation yeah i mean i mean yeah this one doesn't like super excite me um I mean, so they so they do a lot of the of the the standard stuff to try and like um, you know make it sound like this is like a this is like a new and terrifying thing that they found. You mean the web or the um, uh, or the phenomenon? Well, the phenomenon. Like, so for instance, um, I think I think Chekhov asks you know Spock a question. He's like, "Do we have any record of this uh, happening? Any you know on any other uh, you know mission in Starfleet?" The mutiny. Yeah, you mean. Oh, the mutiny. That's right. Yeah, and then uh, he goes, and then he, just like Spock's like, <laughs> I do like the fact that when Spock responds. He does so uh, in unequivocally, a, and unequivocally and in a dramatic in absolutes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like because it, was, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be as dramatic as like, well, there was one thing like a couple of months ago, but no, it was but a little bit different, and I'm not even going to. No, but he, could, but he could have just said something like, no, but instead he's like, absolutely not, not ever. Um, and <laughs> yeah, it's just in the same way that the same way that he says, you know, like when uh, he's like, he's like, if they complete this Tholian web before we finish our repairs, we will never get home again. I mean, you know, home as a concept, it's pretty. Yeah, it's it's like emotionally it's, based. It seems like overly dramatic lines, uh, but delivered very, you know, whatever. I mean, I, I could I could criticize it from from a logic standpoint, but it's like any 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 line out of Nimoy's mouth sounds sounds good. Hmm. What about what about the uh, the crew freakouts? Because this is you know yet another opportunity for uh, you know because the space madness sets in because because of the deleterious effect that uh, the uh, the region of space has on people's brains that yep. was briefly explained or you know they tried to explain it yeah yeah and of course the first one to go nuts is Chekhov because uh, he always goes nuts yeah uh, what, what what did you think about his uh, his freakout uh, yeah I mean. <laughs> Did you think it was a bit weird the way they characterize it? It's like slowly building, but like basically imperceptibly at first, and then all of a sudden, bam, breaking point that's, uh, you know, accompanied by like screaming and like violently attacking everyone around him. Yeah, it, that it, just, seems, to you? it just seems like ineffective, like uh, like Chekhov's thing and, and the guy at the funeral. They both just sort of like shove a person next to them and then just sort of like run around like waving their arms. Yeah. If you're trying to kill someone, just kill them. Yeah, but I don't, I mean, I think the whole point of space madness is you're not coherent or rational. You're just, you know. Yeah. You're just like, you know, overcome with like, you know, your lizard brain and it just takes over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But nonetheless, I liked I liked Chekhov's freak out because uh you know what? I like I like I like uh Chekhov's voice, the sound of his uh, his screams. Like, I like uh, chair. Like when uh, you know, when when he's when he's in the agony booth, he's got uh, you know, he uh he yeah. sells it. Yeah, it's true, yeah, he does, yeah. And uh and yeah, and and it's yeah, it's it's a weird episode to even make me notice anything about uh uh Walter's performance, but but I liked I liked uh, Chekhov's freak out, and in the earlier scene when they were in the transport room trying to get Kirk back, and Chekhov is like nonchalantly staring at the screen, and the uh, and the ship vanishes, and he like he stares at the screen for like for like just a second, and then he turns back without any kind of like real emotion, and uh, and he's and he says like it's gone, you know. I like that. It was really you know you could tell he was in shock, but it was it was a really underplayed, nuanced performance. Mm. That's my yeah actor studio moment. Yeah, I, I noticed that he's a bit of a mouth breather. Uh, Chekhov, though, he's like, he's always a, a gape. Uh, he just, I don't know, seems undisciplined. 
I mean, okay. Well, no, I'm not. After uh, after uh, the episode with Val, uh, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna disagree with that. Uh, <laughs> Chekhov seems to be uh, a character who's written from the perspective of his his hormonal instincts above all else. Uh, Bones had a good freak out too. Yeah, uh, although he was freaking out the whole episode. Yeah. What 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 do you think about uh, his his particular his uh, his uh, the role that he played in this episode? It was good. I mean, like uh, he. <laughs> He, the the way he digs at people, it's like it's it's almost it's pretty an, vicious. Eh? It's, it's so almost kind of mean. Yeah, it, almost. I mean, it is like super mean. Yeah, given the like, circumstances. Yeah, as well. like like as, as soon as Spock takes over, he's Spock, like, Spock, Jim's dead. Also, you're ugly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, but but yeah, he's he's totally mean. So uh, you know, he comes onto the bridge, and uh, Spock's like, "Well, we're gonna do this to try and try and save the captain." And he's like, "Spock, what is the point?" And uh, it's it's weird. Like he, he, like in previous episodes, his his positions never seem consistent yeah like in some episodes he's or like, rather he's like, he's like we have to do the human thing his oppositional and some nature he's like, yeah so like like for instance you know when spock is trying to explain you know why he stayed to try and save the captain uh he's like uh, you know um what's his name bones is like it's like was like he's like well that would be the human thing to do but we both know you're not human kind of thing like what yeah. the fuck were you doing he's very much like damning him if he does and if he doesn't you know yeah. if he's too vulcan he criticizes for being vulcan and if he's too human likewise you know yeah yeah and 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 i also think there's a problem of consistency with with uh, the way the character of Bones is is written, and again, like delivered delivered uh, uh, superbly, uh, regardless, right? Yeah. But it's always seemed like it's like converse, conversely sort of oppositional to to uh, whoever's in charge, basically, right? Which I you know I guess it's fine. Maybe maybe you could even argue that it's like a complementary sort of personality to uh, yeah. to to the captain and and a necessary kind of like. Uh, uh, you know, uh, just uh, something to counter his ideas, right? But it's like if uh, if someone else is calm, he starts freaking out, and he, you know, you know, uh, encourages them to freak out. If they're freaking out, likewise, he's like, you know, I usually a little bit more calm. But uh, it's yeah, I don't think there's any there's there's no logic behind it. But regardless of what happens, they always got to contrive a way to get Bones basically mad uh, at Spock. And uh, and 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 giving him basically the the opposite of advice, or like coming at him from the the opposite tack. Yeah, I mean, even even when they when they they pseudo reconcile, like after listening to like Kirk's uh, message to them, uh, we should probably sti- clarify that. But uh, continue. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but but uh, but then like uh, Bones is like uh, Spock, you tell me that you think people are seeing uh, Kirk because they've lost faith in you. So even after he's like already apologized to Spock for being such a dick, and you know realize that like Spock's orders are finals and everything. He still like digs at him for as, as being like, you suck as a captain. So we should explain, uh, at least briefly for whatever weirdos out there that hasn't chose to watch this episode. So, uh, so, uh, after, uh, Kirk's, uh, apparent death when they failed to retrieve him the first time. Uh, so they have like, you know, a very brief, uh, funeral service form kind of dealy during which, as you said, uh, someone freaks out for no reason at the end. Yeah. Well-timed. Uh, and then, uh, and then, uh, Kirk and Kirk and Bones, Spock and Bones have, uh, have that thing where they go to, uh, his, his quarters and retrieve their, you know, basically his the, last, his last message <clears throat> Yeah, to them in the event that uh, he dies kind of thing, which, which is, you know, like you said, well, whatever you, you, you thought it was a good speech and I'm not necessarily going to argue that it was point, brief. but it could have been, yeah, it was brief. Yeah. That was, <laughs> that was in its favor, but it was not super interesting. It was basically like, you know, I, I mean, I, like I kind of like, do your job bones, let him do his job. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I like the little eulogy that Spock gave for uh, the captain in his in his funeral, and I like the 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 small thing that uh, Kirk gave in, as, in terms of his message to the two guys because both of them were not like sentimental. 
but they were like, uh, which still, is weird because one would have kind of assumed that, you know. No, it, but 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 it's like it's like uh, it's dignified, you know. It's it's uh, I don't know. So it's, it's, are you looking for stoic? Stoic. <laughs> <laughs> but I like the fact that you know, like Spock in the, in, the, in the brief eulogy, he's just sort of saying, you know, like I'm not going to try and like uh, qualify, you know, the the depth of respect everybody had for him. He's like he's like, but each of you will have to like evaluate this loss in your own pri- in, the, in the privacy of your own thoughts. And Which like, is yeah, it. that's that's good. It's that's good, good. Very non denominational secular. Yeah, uh, exactly. Post death advice. Exactly. Exactly. Know? Um, yeah, and, and without Kirk's, unnecessary hyperbole. Yeah, and Kirk's message is is just sort of like friendly, but just sort of you know very super vague and like uh, um, applicable to a range of circumstances. Yeah, no, but 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 it's good. Like he, he conveys something. Like he tells Spock, um, you know, to you know to use all all the sort of like resources and like uh, you know mental skills that is command, but also to like infuse intuition, which he thinks he's capable of. And I like that because that's like that's Kirk's whole thing is that he he thinks that there's like a role for uh, you know subconscious you know thoughts. Um, so yeah, so in both cases, I thought it was good. I, I also did like the preamble, uh, after the, after the eulogy, um, you know, uh, McCoy, McCoy hangs around and Spock's like, you know, we both have duties to perform. And he's like, he's like, not yet. You don't, uh, we're going to go listen to that last message. And Spock's like, yeah, I can listen to that last message like any time. Like we, you know, we're literally like fading out of existence and I, I'm needed on the bridge. And he's like, he's like, no, no, this is like fucking much more important. And then he sort of like spins around in front of Spock as any, he, and he, he says something that sounds when, like when he's in the chair, you mean? No, 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 no. When when they're about to like leave like the chapel, uh, and, and and he basically gives like Spock like a like an order. He's like he's like you will listen to that that message, uh, which is like like a threat. And like Spock just says like fine, you know. He 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 deals with like an insane uh, McCoy in, in on like, a pretty way, regular basis. On a pretty regular basis, <laughs> but he deals with him in the way like you know you'd have to deal with with just somebody who's like completely irrational. He just has to go along with it in the end. Yeah, and I mean considering like you know creeping insanity amongst the whole crew was like a theme of that episode. Uh, you know, Bones Bones did his his best to like. You know, persevere. Uh, you know, nose the grindstone, and get the job done, despite yeah. despite impediment. You know. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I have to mention just uh, you know uh, on on our whole quest to uh, to measure up Star Trek against uh, our our ever evolving social more daily stuffs. Yeah. But uh, the whole the whole way uh, in which uh, Uhura is treated, and uh, the way in which so you know yeah so. Uh, so at one point after the funeral, I guess yeah. she's in her quarters, just yeah. kind of like you know doing her you know off duty thing. Yeah. And she sees uh, Kirk in the mirror, coincidentally, and you know based on her angle, you know it would have been like a I don't know like a thirty or forty five degree angle from her, and she does that weird thing where like instead of you know choosing to turn her head and look in the direction of where he would have been she continues to like address him in the mirror yeah 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 uh and you know but he's only there for an instant then he fades away like a ghost and then you know she immediately runs out and like you know tells uh bones that uh, you know she's seen the captain yeah and then she and, and then she, 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 she screams faints. and faints yeah, yeah yeah so what you're saying it's like it's like it's silly to show like a, I guess a woman like sort of reacting semi hysterically or what? Well, that was definitely the, the style of the time. Right. But yeah. it's, it's just uh, yet another instance that we've drawn attention to before, whereby like if, if a, uh, in the context of Star Trek and, no, I know where and you're going, all, with, this. You're going time, with this, you're saying that, yeah, you know, when a woman claims something, they disbelieve her, but yeah. as soon as like a man does, they, yeah. they, they no, it, it's like coincidental. Any, any claim, it's, coincidental. it's not coincidental. It's coincidental. No, because he, 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 like Bones doesn't even say like, you know, you're, you're fucking crazy. He's just sort of like she's like she's like am I crazy and he's like well no one else saw it yeah but I'll, but here's the thing not okay it's like regardless of what he said or didn't say uh, yeah. the implication was definitely that she was crazy I mean, case in point she like she has a tiny bit of a uh, of an episode that it's like described 
uh, or you know could be perceived to be like mildly hysterical and then she like then she faints so for that reason they have her in sick bay like tied down to the bed you know she didn't uh, uh you know uh, uh display any violent behavior uh before then and granted you know the, the crew members who were afflicted yeah like pretty much had the thing of like keeping it under their hat until such time as they just snapped and immediately went you know Berserk. wacky town but but still i thought it was like the uh, I, there was a no point growing up when i watched that episode that i didn't find it like you know kind of humiliating and demeaning for them to like you know uh you know have especially when like you know she claims she saw the captain and she did you know and and for that you know she's she's basically like you know locked in the enterprise equivalent of like you know the loony bin yeah and uh and treated like an insane person yeah, I don't know. I I, I kind of thought that uh, it was a good episode for uh, for Uhura because um, just because of that one line, which uh, you know you may not have noticed that much, but like uh, when she comes back onto the bridge, Spock is like, uh, "Welcome back, Lieutenant. Your absence was keenly felt." I like that. You know, it's it's uh, it's good because it shows you know Spock you know doing a sort of command thing that Jim would do, you know, uh, in terms of like pumping up his crew. But uh, but it's like a, it's like a repeat occurrence that they, they often like uh, you know sort of show respect for Uhura more than any of the other uh, crew really. I mean, other than, you know, the top three. Giving, giving oh, support where it's needed. And Scotty. No, no, specifically Uhura gets like a lot more props than other, other crew members. And do you think that's due to the affection like, they have for her as a person or the role that she has on the ship or? Uh, yeah, or the writers have just decided that, that, that she is more important than other crew members. Hmm. And like Spock often says, like, you know, I can think of no one better suited for the job than you, like Uhura. So, uh, yeah. And, and, and Kirk also. Anyway, I can think of like a bunch of episodes where she's like critical to the plan. Uh, and so basically once they're finally able to, uh, to retrieve the captain, uh, just, uh, on the edge of the, uh, the, uh, the, the Tholian web being completed. Yeah. Uh, they do a weird, I don't know. They, I, it's not even super explained. I guess they phase out of space briefly and for reasons are like thrown clear of it. Uh, whatever. It's like an energy shock when they try and use the engines or whatever. And they're throwing like, what was it? What did they say? Like 2.5 parsecs? That seems like a fucking lot. Uh, whatever. But <laughs> whatever. I'm not going to, you know, I, but, you know, you know, truth be told, I would need like a team of at least five or six scientists to explain parsec to me like definitively so I can be able to have some firm grasp of it in my mind. Yeah. But, but I, I do think there was like a wasted opportunity in terms of like the anticlimactic resolution of the whole Tholian thing, you know? You know, because like, you know, they yeah, escape the trap and then they just like, you know, they're just like, well, all right, well, I guess we're, I guess we're just leaving now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it would have been nice to have that resolved. Yeah. Um, okay. Th- things that I like now. Uh, so one of the things, uh, you know, for in, in this episode, it's only like small little mini scenes that, that, uh, that sort of like appeal to me. Well, cause uh, for the most part, Kirk was absent, right? Yeah. Th- 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 that's true. So most of the, the good scenes I liked were with Spock. Um, I mean, well, I mean, one of the the best ones, and like, I th- I, I feel like it's like, uh, if you if you were to like sort of like you know get a mini montage of like Spock, like this, one point five second clip would make it, or at least I feel like I've seen it a lot. But it's basically when somebody goes insane during the uh, eul- during the funeral, um, Spock just sort of like uh, arches his head down and then walks towards the guy who's screaming madly. And he just uh, like he just that is what you said, but I didn't actually see that on screen. No, it totally does it. He, like but like like he was standing behind the podium. He's standing behind the podium, he and like he comes leave. in front of the podium. N- only when they're all leaving the room. No, 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 no. Like the guy starts screaming. Spock stops his like eulogy, and he like sort of like walks forward slightly to confront him, but in a super calm like, this is not like ruffling my feathers at all way. This is definitely among the most boring contentions we've ever had about <laughs> Star Trek. But anyway, I'll, I'll I'll grant you. Yeah. What else? Um. Let's see. 
Mm. Okay, while you're thinking. Okay, I mean, uh, I mean, some of them were just sort of like, just like, uh, I, was, I was surprised at like the ferocity of the doctor. Um, so when he says, uh, like, as soon as they get to like Kirk's room, uh, he was he, he's looking at his like some random medal of his, and he's like, he was not he was a hero in every sense of the word, uh, and yet his life was sacri- sacrificed for nothing because of you, Spock. And it's like it's like man, he's he's super br- uh, brutal. He's well, with the Vulcan, you got to try harder when your job is like pouring salt on the wound, I guess. Yeah, I suppose. And then yeah, like he's like twice the salt. Yeah, yeah. And then they're talking about like Spock being captain, uh, and oh, he goes yeah, yeah, and he goes yeah. he, he goes. Well, I would like to remedy that situation, basically like <laughs> like saying like implying that he he wouldn't be as good a captain as someone else, presumably. Yeah, yeah. Some some of the stuff McCoy says is just crazy. Like yeah, he, I didn't dig that at all. I, I didn't think there was any cause for that. Yeah. It was not real. And then he also like sort of pseudo accuses Spock of like trying to steal the captaincy. Yeah, you being know, he's overly like, ambitious. Yeah, and it's like it's like and then and then Spock correctly says like, you know, because he's like he's, he's like he's like, well, if you get us out of this one, Spock, they'll give you the Enterprise and they'll pin a medal on you. And he goes, Doctor, I am in control of the Enterprise. Yeah. Um, and then the one other, I, I mean, I know it's only a couple things, but like I I I I, I think you should like uh, go back in your um, in your uh, what does Sherlock Holmes call it? Uh, mental palace. Yes, mind palace. Mind palace. Review that. Review that Spock scene during after the eulogy, and also um, the scene is like after they watch the the little um, sort of tape uh, with um, with Kirk giving them like like the, his sort of like last words or last words of advice. Uh, McCoy tries to like sort of like have a bit of a rapprochement with Spock, and he's like, "It hurts, doesn't it, Spock?" Uh, and he just like tell your friends. It. Yeah, and he just he just looks away and he says it with like a pain sort of. Uh, almost uh, scratchy voice as though it's it's tinged with emotion he's like what would you have me say doctor uh, I like that because uh, well okay what is your impression of what he's saying there I because I'll tell you what he's saying all right fine <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah no he's he's basically saying to the doctor he's, he's saying that you know that yes it hurts and I'm feeling it but he but but when he says what would you have me say he's saying doctor I can't say what what you know what it is you uh-huh. want me to say kind of thing yeah you know? Um, okay, so that. So all, basically, all, all the, the, the Spock moments are, are what I like. Yeah, all that stuff is good, and all the interaction between them is good in like the way the way it's acted, the way it's performed, and like the back and forth. But just the substance of it uh, in itself, I just thought it was like, uh, yeah, it, it's we we've seen it so many times at this point. It's like always like that unnecessary opposition between uh, Bones and Spock. Which you know, in some situations, it's like you know more called for. You know, when Spock is like particularly, you know, like uh, uh, well, Spock basically uh, he never removed. deserves he never deserves the the attacks uh, that that he gets from McCoy. No, I I think in some rare instances uh, uh, he wouldn't it, like he he would not necessarily for like his tactical decisions, but sometimes his like demeanor and like the way he approaches uh, you know those command situations. But I yeah. think in this instance, he like he did everything you know both by the numbers and in a responsible and. And compassionate, you know, commanderly way, you know. Yeah, and, and actually, the, 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 for, the really bizarre thing is that him. is that this is not actually the first time that like uh, Spock has like taken command. Like, uh, do you remember the Galileo Seven? Uh, and it was yes, the exact same thing where McCoy was like, "What the fuck is wrong with you, Spock? Like, how come how come you're not taking time out to bury this man? You know, and everything." So Spock gets berated a lot from McCoy. Yeah, which again, um, like, yeah, it's, well, I, but, but I, it, it's fine in principle, but uh, well, I don't know. It's a little bit crazy, but it does like achieve the aim, which is like for Spock to like shine. And he shines big time. <laughs> and McCoy is just lovable as ever, you know. I mean, yeah, no, that's true. And and yeah, it's it, it doesn't really matter that uh, that that it's either out of character for him or 
or either in character, but suggests like a complete lack of character growth because he makes always the same completely irrational yeah. uh, accusations and assessment of Spock every time. Yeah, minor thing I like here. Also, it's, I don't know if it's just related to the era. Maybe they just did fights in a way that I, I like more. But so, you know, if you were to take any, any show now, uh, when there's a fight, it's like, you know, choreographed and there's like, uh, you know, almost superhuman qualities in like the protagonist. But uh, at some point, like McCoy gets like attacked uh, by uh, like his orderly because he just like loses his mind. Um, and it's just like it's just like a it's like a really believable scene where he's overwhelmed by a guy who's like bigger than him. And he's just sort of like trying to like keep him from stabbing him, you know, like uh, I like that because, you know, in any I just find like too often. You know, maybe in more modern shows, they would have like, you know, them give it, giving each other multiple slugs uh you know multiple moves and like a, a slow beat down or like a you know s- s- something of that nature but this one was like a lot more realistic it was just like two guys grappling and and just i don't know i liked it i liked it because 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 mccoy looked uh like a fragile you know country doctor and he was saved by chapel who just uh you know stuns him from behind with hyperspray which i thought was good yep um yeah, so I mean, uh, I guess there's, there's not much more uh, really to say about this episode. So in that case, I'll ask, take the opportunity. So uh, so did you see the uh, two Enterprise episodes that were a sequel to this? Uh, no, I didn't know there you was. Did not? No, really? I did not. Yes. Ah, so they do a really cool thing, possibly one of the best uh, tie-ins to to uh, b- between two shows they ever did. Oh, wait, pause a for one. Tie-in. Wait, actually, pause for one power seconds. I forgot so- something. Another scene at the very end, uh, I like it, but McCoy and uh, and Spock prank uh, Kirk uh, by claiming that they uh, they have they they didn't even remember to to. Uh, yeah, that was super dumb. No, wait, hold on. First, explain the scene. Not 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 what happens in it, but what you interpret that they were doing. What? Okay, so you're talking about like when Kirk's back and he's asking him. Uh, he's, he's asking like, he's about like, the fi- the final message. Yeah, he's like he's like. So I hope you guys got along, and and my my final uh, sort of orders were of use to you. And they're like orders. What are you talking about? Yeah, so so they both uh, they both Kirk conceal the fact that they were like uh, bickering and at at, at at odds, but yeah. also they both lie and said they hadn't uh, bothered to to watch the tape or whatever, which I thought was 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 dumb. I mean, McCoy, sure, fine, just for, for like no reason, but I I can't think of any realistic reason why a Vulcan would have like. Done such the, the, the a such a incons- stupid pointless lie no, for no, 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 no reason. Well, so the only inconsistency is is just generally that Vulcans don't lie. I mean, yeah, for what? Um, but uh, but I think the the message here is that the two of them they share an inside joke, which means you know bonding. We, we, bonding. we went through something that the cur- captain wasn't here for. Mm-hmm. We're going to share this joke, and then also that the disagreement that they had is 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 no one is none of his business. I think that that is the point. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's what it was uh, and I like conveyed. That. But, I like that. Uh, it's like a secret among those two guys. That, it, you know, it normally was all the just, secrets it just are made like no sense. No, it, it was good. It was also awkward. It was not awkward. It was awkward. No, it wasn't. <laughs> fight, fight, fight. <laughs> okay, now talk about the uh, the Enterprise take. All right. So, uh, okay. So the whole Enterprise thing was uh, it was it was an interesting uh, two parter compartmentalized thing that started. Uh, it's it's uh, they're they're both uh, Mirror World episodes. So they deal with the you know the evil uh, universe uh, in the time of Enterprise, uh, but specific. So it's like you know I, I forget even what the Federation was called in that universe, but it was like you know the Terran the Terran Empire probably. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it dealt with uh, the Enterprise, their version of the Enterprise, stumbling on uh, the wreck of the Defiant that had come back in time and also from an alternate universe. Uh, 
right. which I think is pretty cool. So, uh, you know, so they got the opportunity to like, you know, do stuff aboard the old, you know, uh, constitution class ship, uh, which is always neat. And okay, uh, you, you had, you so, had so, so, an interaction. Wait, sidebar here. Cause I know that you are a fan of those uh, awful uh, Marvel movies. Well, so, I, well, hold I on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We don't need to debate that. Uh, <laughs> But what I'm saying is, is these these callbacks uh, and these references to canon. Uh, do you, are you still able to care, care you know, the way that uh, you, you you were able to like when you were a kid? You know, like whether it was consistent with like the canon and stuff like that, or do you realize that it's all just, you know, none of it is is like Shakespeare. So it's like who cares? Like who cares if like this thing was brought up in say for instance a comic book? And I see what you're saying, but I think it's wrong on basically every level. What's that? Uh, I think it's wrong on basically every level, including the analogy to Shakespeare, because the whole point of Shakespeare is that he didn't have kind of some kind of consistent universe to continuously make references to. So yeah. you know, but you know, and and Star Trek, true. But I mean, okay, fine. No, um, but I mean, like, I mean, like, I remember, I remember when I first watched like the first Spider-Man. Uh, well, not the first, but the first Spider-Man movie I watched was that Toby, first Tobey Maguire one, and they made it so that instead of him making the webbing, it was like something that came, you know, it was like an an, an impact of him having being bitten by that spider, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was like, and it annoyed me. I was like, I was like, what? This is fucking bullshit. He's supposed to, he's supposed to create the webbing fluid himself because he's a genius and, and whatever. Uh, and then, and then, and now when I think about it, I'm like, actually, fuck that director made a way better call. It was really stupid in the original like comic book that he made this webbing because th- then there's two extraordinary things to explain. Not only is this kid the guy who gets bitten by a spider, but he's also, a genius but he also inventor. like a super genius inventor at, at, with, at age of 16. With manufacturing process yeah, in his own exa- home. Exactly. In and his he, aunt's and home. He, and he makes this thing that you later find is basically like better than all his other superpowers yeah. his webbing so it was actually like a better choice but i was blinded by juvenile stupidity are and you still st- are i would say are you still in that in that state i again i i want to disagree with basically 100 percent of the substance and content of your analogy yeah it has well, nothing the, the, to do with no that. it has it has because 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 i'm just saying they had a callback to this episode to me it would be an irrelevancy like there was there's nothing to call back there's nothing so deep about this episode that it's worth calling back that the Defiant was in some parallel universe. It's like so pointless. And again, it's not even I like, see what you're saying, but I disagree with 100% of it. And okay, in such why? a way, so as to think that... No, but why? Like, what, what why? do they gain by making... Well, I'll explain it to you. A, no, you can do it well, but it's like, it's like, for instance, like let's say that you're, I don't know, George Lucas, and you decide that you want to bring back okay, R2-D2 and C-3PO I additionally into, see what you're into doing, a plotline that makes no sense. But but in the, in all of these cases, Lucas is an example of what not to do, and in this specific instance, the uh, the example I'm citing yeah. was an ex- example of what to do, and the fact that it was done well. Because uh, it was, uh, you know, it worked for the following reasons. It worked because they could tie in one generation of Star Trek to the other. It worked uh, on an aesthetic level because they could bring back all of those uh, design elements. Yeah. And it worked on a direct level because it made reference to a specific physical thing that happened in a previous Star Trek episode. And, and you know, it even, you know, it, it worked out in the way that Defiant, you know, disappears from one universe and, and answers the question, you know, where, where did it go, you know? And, uh, and in the context of the episode, it was, uh, it was great because, uh, it, again, it's completely compartmentalized because it was the only two episodes describing stuff that happened in that universe so yeah. you could have whatever happened yeah and indeed it did but uh what happened was the enterprise stumbles on, uh, stumbles on the defiant they're able to take advantage uh of this you know technology that's like ahead of the time by like 100 years or something mm-hmm. they're able to cannibalize it well they basically just like they take over the defiant and because of what i'm sure you you recognize the nature of their whole political system mm-hmm. you know uh they they are infinitely power hungry and all of a sudden they have the power so the so this new ship, 
the Defiant is like the most powerful ship in the quadrant, they immediately go back home and uh, they fucking take over. And there's a quick succession of like assassinations aboard the ship. Uh, power shifts several times. Uh, Archer is killed. And I think numerous additional uh, crew members, you know, command officers are, are, are also killed. And uh, I believe last we heard of that whole thing, um, command of the ship and the entire Terran Federation had fallen to uh, Hoshi Sato. I think that was her name, the, uh, the communication officer. Oh, right, uh, yes. And so, yeah, so that was, that was cool. And, and, and like I said, yeah, interesting and relevant for a whole bunch of the aforementioned reasons. And yep. the fact that it provided an extra cool thing of, uh, of having an alternate credit sequence. Uh, what the credit sequence would have been like in the alternate universe. So instead of showing a montage of like man's glorious achievements in terms of like exploration, yeah. there was conquest and, uh, and, and, and war and stuff of that nature. And uh, while I won't say this about Enterprise in general and as far as I can tell any other Enterprise episode, yeah. I do recommend uh, watching that one because it's damn good. I don't recall anything of what you're saying, but I do recall... I believe that's because you're not a good Star Trek fan. <laughs> Well, and am person. I correct that that, that uh, there's a, a scene where Hoshi shows her midriff um, uh, in the parallel universe? I mean, unequivocally, yes. Okay, yeah, that that was pretty good. I initially feigned uh, <laughs> a, a lack of memory, but no, yeah, that was yeah, that was that they. In fact, I think a significant portion of the plot was like based around her being both powerful, ruthless, and attractive. Yeah, as like. A winning combination in that universe. Anyway, no, it's not, it sounds sounds like it was a good way to weave it all together. But I just I just feel that uh, sometimes these things these 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 things are like a crutch, and trying to weave it in is just gonna like worsen like the episode. And again, so I like, see what you're saying, but like for instance, like completely. even even like uh, <laughs> even like uh, like Lord of the Rings, like uh, I, some of the things in the movie are like better than the book. But at first, at first, I like bristled, you know. Uh, but anyway, now I'm just like totally on board with the make changes that make it better kind of thing because like none of these things are like such great great works of art you know that they're they can't be improved upon so kind of like star trek 2 uh that was like made by a guy who was not a star trek fan if i recall uh and he totally like added in all like the uh military navy stuff and it made it better concurrence i mean i don't disagree with that but i i don't see how it relates to anything else of what we we're talking about well, because he's de- a departure. But we weren't talking about departure. We were talking about a, a connection in continuity. Okay, fine. Anyway, hey. all right. Um, if you think about it, the, the first episode with the Navy and whatever stuff was in Toss. It was the episode with the Romulans and the Klingons. So basically just took that gimmick and put it in Star Trek 2. Oh, yeah, possibly. And the bosun's whistle. Let's not forget the whistle. Yes, the whistle. All right, anything else to say on the subject of this episode? Mm, no. Did it have a good ending? Uh, the answer is I, no. I agree that it it uh, it had a good ending when the when the Spock and and, and uh, McCoy had that inside joke, but then afterwards there was no like follow up, and they all just sort of stared blankly. It was like an space. awkward lingering silence, yeah. and then uh, and then it just slowly. Yeah, yeah, but keep in mind that if they'd had a if they'd uh, made a bad joke and then all laughed awkwardly, you would have hated that even more. Oh, super agree. If they'd ended with a do 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 do, actually, did they do that? No, they, did no, not. they didn't. No, no, okay. no, they all just stared out into space. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's better just to stare into space. All right, fair enough. All right, let's put this episode to bed. You have been listening to The Red Hour, a Star Trek podcast with Rusi Kapadia and Colin Campbell.